The Doctor is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. All right, let's answer your question and give you some good news. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm on her side, and I don't know exactly what her side is. I think you're totally spot on with that. I sound inept just to help you out. It's been a rough week, thanks to your advice. Are you a regular listener to this program? As much as I can be. There's your problem. I would not ever disagree with you because you're so smart. You have a lot of answers to a lot of things. You don't want to listen to me on the radio. So what do I do? I can't give you any direction. Thank you for empowering me. I needed that. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, uh, do you know somebody who does? Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I always wanted to be somebody when I was little. I should have been more specific. Nice to have you with me, Dr. Ray Grandy. Program here, as always, The Doctor is In. Given that name by Jerry Usher, former host of Catholic Answers Live. Program works pretty simply. You are the guests. You have a number. Your number is four. No, you have a number to call. 877 573-7825. 573-7825-877-57. Equal is the number to call. Three primary reasons. Dominant is questions about circumstances or people, situations, struggles, matters of life, the stuff of existence from conception to eternity. Now, we deal with this infinitesimally small sliver called life here on Earth. Towards conception and towards eternity, it gets a little fuzzier. However, uh, we can do what we can to speculate some. And then another reason people call in is they have a suggestion for somebody else. They've been through the same thing. Or they have had experience. Sometimes we will get mental health folks call in, say, I work in this field. Here's what I see. Here's what I've experienced. And then the third reason is something they don't understand or they would like clarification on about psychological terms, emotional meanings, trendy psychobabble, particular diagnosis, the whole field of psychology, psychiatry, some degree, social work is riddled, absolutely riddled, with its own lexicon, which trickles its way into the cultural consciousness over time. And that time is very short, usually. Words like toxic, words like narcissist, words like emotional abuse have just become now the coin of the realm. So let me give you the number, 877 573 78-25-877-57 equal. This is a bit of a tradition that I do, and I, the way I'm going right now, it's probably going to squeeze out my opening monologue. 
But I get a lot of requests for it, and before before I even say a word, I want to say you have to look it up. I don't have the staff to send you copies. People say, can you send me a copy of that? I can't. This is a speculative conversation between God and St. Francis. God speaks first. St. Francis, you know all about gardens and nature. What's going on down there in the USA? What happened to the dandelions, the violets, the thistle, the stuff I started eons ago? I had a perfect, no-maintenance garden plan. Those plants grow in any kind of soil, withstand drought, and multiply with abandon. The nectar from the long-lasting blossoms attracts butterflies, honeybees, and flocks of songbirds. I expected to see a vast garden of colors by now, but all I see are these green rectangles. St. Francis says, it's the tribes that settled there, Lord, the suburbanites. They started calling your flowers weeds and went to great lengths to kill them and replace them with grass. God says grass, but it's so boring, it's not colorful, doesn't attract butterflies, birds, bees, only grubs and sodworms. It's temperamental with temperatures. Do these suburbanites really want all that grass growing there? Apparently so, Lord. They go to great pains to grow it and to keep it green. They begin each spring by fertilizing grass and poisoning any other plant that crops up in the lawn. Well, Francis, the uh, spring rains and warm weather probably make the grass grow really fast. That, that must make the suburbanites happy. Apparently not, Lord. As soon as it grows a little, they cut it. Sometimes twice a week. They cut it. Do they then bale it like hay? Not exactly, Lord. Most of them rake it up and put it in bags. They bag it. Why? Is it a cash crop? Do they sell it? No, sir. Just the opposite. They pay to throw it away. Francis, let me get this straight. They fertilize the grass so it will grow. And when it does grow, they cut it off and they pay to throw it away. Yes, sir. These suburbanites must be relieved in the summer when we cut back in the rain and we turn up the heat. Now, that surely slows the growth and saves them a lot of work, right? Well, Lord, not quite. When the grass stops growing so fast, they drag out hoses and they pay more money to water it so they can continue to mow it and pay to get rid of it. (laughs) What? Well, at least they kept some of the trees. Now, that was a stroke of genius, if I do say so myself. The trees grow leaves in the spring to provide beauty and shade in the summer. In the autumn, they fall to the ground. They form a natural blanket to keep moisture in the soil to protect the trees and bushes. Plus, as they rot, the leaves form compost to enhance the soil. It's a natural circle of life. Well, Lord, the suburbanites have drawn a new circle. Uh, um, <clears throat> as soon as the leaves fall, they they rake them into big piles, and they pay to have them hauled away. What, what do they do to protect the shrub and the tree roots in the winter and to keep the soil moist and loose? Well, after throwing away the leaves, they go out and they buy something they call mulch. They haul it home, and they spread it around in place of the leaves. And where do they get this mulch? 
they cut down trees and grind them up to make the mulch. I see, said God. <laughs> you know, put that way, <laughs> it really does sound pretty dumb, doesn't it? It's like, okay, let's make it grow. I'm going to then cut it, and then I'm going to put it in bags, and I'm going to have it hauled away. And then if it gets dry, I'm going to get water, and then I'll make it grow some more. And then when the leaves fall, I'll rake all them up and drag them away. But then i got to go out and buy some mulch because i got to lay that down. I'll, oh, gee. All right, this is Dr. Elada calls up there, so I, I will cut this short. 877-57-EQUAL. We don't have a lot of time on this earth. We weren't meant to spend it this way. The doctor is in. What can I say? I'm thrilled. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said it's inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell? And somebody saying to you, what are you here for? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. In Christ, we suffer, but it's a suffering that can bear much fruit. Our God can bring good out of the suffering caused by evil. God permits evil, and from the suffering caused by evil, he creates a reality greater than that which could have existed without the possibility of evil entering human experience. In Christ, suffering is fruitful. Those members of the body of Christ who are fruitless are removed. It's dead wood, and that's suffering. But even those members of the body of Christ who are fruitful are pruned, they're trimmed. Daddy squeezes and sometimes spanks in order that we would be more fruitful. Jesus again says, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. You are listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi, so please, no calls at this time. Yeehaw! I don't know. It's kind of a reflex thing, you know. If you're the steel guitar, you have to say something like that. It just happens. Nice to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Privileged to do this show. I want to thank the folks down at EWTN who was there yesterday. With Doug Keck, delightful man. He is the CEO of EWTN. And Jim Pinto, who is the host, co-host of At Home with Jim and Joy. Joy was not there that day. And then I got a chance to meet with Peter Gagnon, the vice president, TV programming. He's the one who years ago said, all right, Garendi, we'll give you a shot at having your own show. And I said, I want to do my own stunts. He said, you'll hurt yourself. Sarah has not talked to her mother 
in a year. Sarah, is that because of you or because of her? Uh, no, I elected to stop speaking with her and my dad at the time. I've reconnected with him, but um, after a year of counseling and um, ex- like expressing the boundaries and, you know, that I prefer she not share my personal life with everybody in the family and even having conversations where I say, I'd appreciate it if you didn't share this with anybody, only to turn around and everybody in the family and her coworkers and friends are sending me messages or calling me about things that are very deeply personal. And uh, that's the advice of my counselor. I stepped back and just took a year, and it's now beyond that. But I also became a foster parent this year, and if I can't trust her with my own personal life, you know, I have to protect the kids in our care, not just because I want to protect them, but because I, I am not legally allowed to share, you know, their personal life and what, what they're going through and what their family has been through. So on the advice of a counselor, yeah. you you said, uh, I'm not going to talk to my mom. Yeah, and she said, just give it a time limit. She, initially, she recommended a year. She said, you know, figure out figure out what is important and how you can have a safe relationship with your mom. Um, you know, take the time to really process through where the hurt actually occurred, what the continual hurt is, because it's just ramping up. And it was getting to the point where I was starting to feel um, a lot of hatred towards my mom. I've since gone past that and recognized that it really, truly is just, it's, it's the lack of trust. It's the breaking of confidence, and she always comes back with, well, that's just how our family is, but it's not. Well, how long did it take you to realize you can't tell your mother sensitive stuff? I mean, it's, it's been about 10 years, but I was also really hopeful. I'm, I'm you know... In well, the, Sarah, like, you're a slow learner on that part. Truly, truly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if you keep thinking, well, I'm going to tell her things because it'll make us be close. And then, oh, yeah. she did it again. She turned around yeah, and, and she was, didn't respect confidentiality. Yeah, it was always a guilt trip. Of, oh, well, you're just not close, and you're choosing to have a fractured relationship, and, um, you know... What if, a- what if you talk to your mom? Okay, question, but, but let me jump back a step. Are you uh, a Catholic or a Christian? I am converting to Catholicism, but was raised Christian. Okay, so you're converting to Catholicism, and you, you sort of decided, okay, Christ has certain requirements for us to live as disciples, Right. One yeah. of those is honor your mother, which yeah, doesn't and that's doesn't where the big trouble is. <laughs> well, sure, I would think so. So, is there a middle ground? In other words, your counselor. Are you still seeing this counselor, by the way? No, I haven't in about six months. Okay, your counselor, who I would suspect is not coming from your worldview, which is that uh, your faith says to you. Uh, things got to get pretty ugly before I write my mother off. I would, yeah. I would just, okay. So a secular counselor, and they're very commonly do that. Find a middle ground, Sarah. More or less say, all right, I can reconnect with my mom, but I'll just be real careful about anything I say about my personal life, about the kids, about anything. Yeah. And if she probes, well, how are the kids doing? Oh, they're doing good. 
Well, what I know he's he's had a lot of trouble in his life. Um, you know, eight years old. And what what is what is the biggest problem you're having with him? Oh no, we're doing fine. In other words, you're just making it real clear. I'm not giving you specifics. Yeah. Because this way, you'll still be able to honor your mother, which means give her the respect that is her due because God put her in that role. She may be a jerk, but he put her in that role. You know, and secular counselors, their attitude is, well, if they're a jerk, and I'll bet you, now, Sarah, I'll bet you, you tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not used to being wrong, but you tell me if I'm wrong. Your counselor used the word toxic. Uh, Actually, no, they didn't. Whoa. What is wrong? Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. That's so rare these days because that's like a golden word. <laughs> oh, yes. You're so right. And I was going to say, you know, that's the go-to word there. Um, I would suggest that, dear. You just go to your mom and you say, hey, ma, I'm sorry. This is wrong. I was wrong to write you off. That was terrible of me. I'm sorry. That won't happen. And then she'll have to find out over time that you're not going to be real open with her on stuff that she can misuse. Yeah. And that's that's not disrespecting her. That's just kind of saying, well, I can, I've can i learned. It only took me 10 years and one call to Garendi. Yeah. I've learned that I better be real cautious about what I tell mom because she just doesn't take care of it. That'd be my suggestion, dear. You see how that fits in with your your changing worldview of I want to be a follower of Christ and uh, I this, this is not one of the things I can do. I can't just write my mother off because I don't like her. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the call, dear. Very much. Hope, Thank hopefully, you. tell your mom, you just call her today or something, say, hey, Ma, I got to talk to you. Take her out to breakfast. Yeah. You'll probably shock her. You know what I mean? Watch out. We're across the country, so I, I already oh. planned an email. She right. has a tendency to twist my words. So. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you Thank very you. much, dear. Okay. Now, Angela's called right at the top of the show. And uh, this, as a therapist five years ago, never got a question like this. Never. Now, oh, my, it's um, it has rocketed into the probably the top five questions I receive, especially from parents like Angela, who have young adult children or teenagers who are saying, I want to be called by a different name. I want to be called by a different pronoun. And furthermore, if you don't, get out of my life. Hi, Angela. Hello. Don't you feel bullied? Oh, Geez, and he's so smart and so completely sure he's right. We've always had a good relationship, generally speaking. And he's been calling me, and he doesn't live at home. He lives like three states away. But he would call me every Sunday while I was on my drive home from church, and we would have a nice talk, just general stuff. He likes to talk. But I have always used, I agreed to use his alternate name because it's just a neutral name. I figure it was just a name. But I would just use talk to him otherwise regularly and this the uh uh they or what was it them or they whatever those pronouns are i never use those but when i talked to him last night he called me back and he said mom if you can't respect how i want to be you know respect me uh, by using those my pronouns um you're showing me that you don't respect me as a person and 
I can't have that in my life. I need people who are going to respect me. Um, and uh, he Wilkie said, you can write to me if you want. You can text me. I won't read them, but I'm not going to respond. I will not talk to you anymore about it if you're not going to respect that, my boundaries. Has he said that I am now a girl? No, he, he calls himself non-binary. Okay. So he uses them, they, I guess. Mm. I don't know what the difference What occasion <laughs> would you have to use them, they? Would you call them up and say, hey, how are they doing? What, how would you use it? I, I don't know. Are you allowed to call him by his name? Has he kept yeah, his name? Yeah, I call him by his name. Yeah, I then, can call him by his name. I'll do that. But whenever I say, well, is, what's he going to do about it? Instead of he, I would say, what is, what are, are, is they? <laughs> you know, and I'm just stuck for a second. Well, say, so what are you? What? What are yeah. you? Use the word you and use his first name. Um, and I would ask him a couple of things. First of all, how did he decide now? It seems like he's it seems like he's becoming more rigid toward you. In other words, a year ago he didn't demand this. Now he has. Right. My guess would be that he's probably in a circle that says this is the way people have to respect what we declare about ourselves, and if they don't, they deserve to be removed from our life. Those circles are very common out there among young adults. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if he's seeing a therapist. That's, that would be therapeutic kind no. of ideas, too. So, so no, given that, like, you, can, you can dodge it. Angela, you can dodge it. You can basically call him by his name if he allows you to call him by his name. Uh, it would be much more tricky if he said, I have a new name and it's a girl's name and I want you to call me by my girl's It's much more tricky. Um, but also, just call him you. you. I don't think there's occasion that you have to use a they or them. You can say to him, well, those are the pronouns you choose. That's all you have to say. You don't have to say... I'm not going to choose them, or I won't choose them, or I will choose them. No, you just say, those are the pronouns that you've chosen. Okay. I would, I uh, would so have... when in conversation, when he or she comes up, I'll just say you. Yeah, I or would. Or like I... I call them back and say, I'll, I'll do a, an agreement with you. How about this? Is this... I, don't, I don't think you have to do that because what will happen is he won't accept that. Uh... He, wants, he wants all or nothing. So I would just simply communicate with him that way and hopefully he won't notice that you're not totally completely acquiescing to everything he demands or he's going to write you out of his life this is the kind of narrow-mindedness that has taken over so many of the young people if you parents don't accept everything i think about religion politics people the vaccine everything get away from me and there's so much of that angela it is everywhere, yeah. and my profession is not talking about it. Eventually, they will. I saw an article in Prager University. He was talking about it. He said he couldn't believe the number of parents calling him on his radio program, talking about being written off by their children, by their young adult children, for, for any number of reasons, most of which come down to, you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. It's an interesting thing. Thank you, Angela. God bless you. Good luck to you, dear. All right, there's a bunch of calls up there. I'm going to try to get to everybody that I can. Um, eh, about a minute. Yeah, I don't really have enough time to go further on that. Um, I'm going to be spending some time with, well, not directly, Father Robert Spitzer with uh, Abby Johnson. 
Father Dwight Longenhanker, Longenhanker, Jeff Cavins, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, Joseph Pierce, Rice White, big NBA player. Massive online course titled Hope is Fuel, Catholic on Purpose. Uh, available on May 24th, organized by Patrick Coffin. Okay, they'll be all there. Uh, if you would like to be part of that, you can uh, sign up for that course and get to see everybody and what we all have to say about something. Uh, it's a discount coupon. You use mine, it's Dr. Ray 20. D R R A Y 20. It's capitals. You get 20 bucks off. Okay, hopeisfuel.com is where you sign up. Thank you. Am I close? No. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The virtue of purity and holy chastity is certainly a very important thing, but I think we can misunderstand this beatitude. As human beings in our fallen state, we tend to love things and use people, but we're meant to use things and love people. We can manipulate in relationships and we can try to control other people and we can focus on other people as objects. But to be pure in heart is to be in love, and ultimately to be pure in heart and to be happy is to be in love with God himself as well. This beatitude calls us to have a focus on being open to choosing God, choosing life, to choose love. If God is not the ultimate end of our desires and our hopes and dreams, we will be the saddest of people. Let's say yes to God and choose his way, be focused on his love and pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Can a church made up of sinners still be holy? St. Teresa, the little flower, says this about the Catholic Church. If the church was a body composed of different members, it could not lack the noblest of all. It must have a heart and a heart burning with love. And I realized that this love alone was the true motive force which ennobled the other members of the church to act. If it ceased to function, the apostles would forget to preach the gospel. The martyrs would refuse to shed their blood. Love, in fact, is the vocation which includes all others. It is a universe of its own, comprising all time and space. It is eternal. The Catholic Catechism tells us that our Divine Lord, who knew nothing of sin, came only to expiate sin. So the Church embraces sinners in order to save them. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of the doctor is in. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Nancy from Portland, Oregon did not hang on. She wanted to comment on a call from yesterday's program. She said, should I feel bad, not badly, for not sending grandkids money for birthdays and holidays because they don't even acknowledge I exist? Well, I can't tell you, Nancy, if you should feel bad. I know I wouldn't. Are you kidding me? If I got nieces or nephews or even adult children 
who have written me off or complete total 100% neglect, I'm going to send them money? Why would I do that? That makes no sense. That's not charity. That's not, that's not Christian morality. All that is is social obligation that you put on yourself. That's all that is. That has nothing to do with any kind of Christian walk. So save yourself some money. I don't know how much you're sending them, Nance, but... I don't know, I'll take 10% of it. You know, I'll invest it. No, I, I, that, that, I, as I get older, there's no way. I, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to send money. And if I, don't, if I don't even get a thank you, which it sounds like you didn't, consistently didn't, um, why would I do that? I don't have any ill will toward you. But why would I send you money? If you don't think I exist, I'm just putting that obligation upon myself because that's what a grandparent does. Well, maybe what some grandparents do. It's not what this one would do. Oh, please, I'm asking the folks for patience because there's a lot of very, very thoughtful, poignant calls up there. Geraldine from Ontario, Canada, listening on Sirius Channel 130. She's got some obsessive thoughts. Hi, Geraldine. Hello. There you go. Now you're there. Oh, yeah, it just went dead for a second there. Well, that was me. I kind of went dead for oh. a second there, but I'm, I'm you're back. You're not now. dead. Right. You're anything but dead. <laughs> now, these thoughts, what kind of thoughts? Well, they can. Sometimes there's something from the past that happened that was unpleasant, and I'll go over and over it, and then I'll stop myself and say, no, that was forgiven long ago, and then before I know it, it's back. But right now it's a situation where a friend has a problem, and I'm concerned about her. And I've done all I can to help, but I can't stop the broken record. From what little you're saying, Geraldine, and again, I can't diagnose here, but from what little you're saying, it doesn't sound like these are classically obsessive thoughts it sounds like you're dwelling on them you're consciously dwelling on them because it's something that bothers you is that more yeah, that's accurate pretty much it okay but i want to stop them well what if you decided i will think about the situation and i will come to a conclusion on what if anything i can do about it and then I will dwell upon my solution rather than the things I can't control. See, this stuff bothers you because it's, it's bad stuff as you see it. Maybe affecting people you love or circumstances you can't do anything about. And you keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. But if you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to come to a conclusion here. And my conclusion is, what can I do about this? Now, I, I got to believe. Well, Geraldine, I got to believe in most cases you can't do anything about it, and that's what bothers you. Well, in this situation, there was something I could do, and I did it. Okay. And, and after you did it, were you okay? No. My friend's pain keeps coming back. You and I did... Was, you, you, know, you no, see I've now you see what, what you're doing. You see what you hundred percent guarantee. See what you just did. You see what you just did. You said 
I did what I can do, but I can't stop her pain, right? Right. Well, of course you can't. You will dwell on this as long as you say to yourself, I've got to stop my friend's pain. How can you do that? Are you God? I can't. I know it. So why, why, why is that not sufficient for you to say, I'm going to turn my thoughts to, to living life as opposed to thinking about my friend's misery? Well, when I try to do that, no, no, I'm, let's change that. When I do that, I'm fine for a few seconds, and before I know it, the thoughts have come back, and I'm back where it started. Push them away again. Say to yourself, I've already solved this problem. I'm moving on. These yeah. thoughts, here's the thing, Geraldine, these thoughts are in your control. These don't sound like obsessions. These thoughts are in your control. You have to willingly dwell on them. If you say, I did this for my friend, I thought it would help. It helped a little bit, but she's still miserable. Okay, what else can you do? Nothing. That's right. So you will continue to think about doing nothing that can make any difference? You have to decide to yourself, even talk to yourself, Geraldine. I already came up with a solution here, and I'm not going to play this record in my head over and over again. Charlene, do you think I could be a psychologist if I listened to the misery in people's lives and I dwelled on it? Oh, my God. (laughs) No, you don't. You can't imagine what I hear. So. If I'm going to have any kind of happiness, any kind of joy, any kind of peace in my life, I cannot dwell upon what I can't do. No, I can't. you can't. That's right. And you can do the same thing. You're not, you're not paralyzed. You can do the same thing. You just, you just don't believe you can. I'm telling you, you can. But you probably don't believe no. me anyway, so that's all right. I'm inclined to believe you. You tend to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Either that or I sure sound like I know what I'm talking about, huh? Either that or you would be an emotional wreck from I would. You're, you are totally, completely on target. I would have quit decades ago. I would have said, who can sit and absorb this much sadness, this much misery, this much tragedy, this much struggle, this much unhappiness in people's lives. You know, for 10, 12, 15 years, I worked 40 hours a week at a mental health center. And we took everything that came in that front door. And there that was, was there probably were probably a lot of depression. Oh, there were days we worked two 12-hour days back-to-back. So I'd go in at 9 o'clock, and I'd quit at 9 o'clock at night, and I'd get up in the morning, and I'd go in at 9 o'clock, and I'd quit at 9 o'clock at night. And I decided somewhere in my late 30s that I better branch out and do a few other things because many of my friends had branched out because they couldn't, they couldn't just sit and listen to all the stuff that they couldn't do anything about if the other person didn't cooperate. Bless your heart, there. Popular term is burnout. Yes, it is. That that it is. But I'm not burnt out because I realize my limits. Thank you for joining me. All kinds of neat calls up there. I got to tell you, if you don't get on, you will be first up anytime you call. You throw down the 
Jack of Spades, the right bar, will trump every other call. Can your messy house lead to anxiety? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians states that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. If you walk in the door at home and you are greeted by clutter, peace may be hard to find. A messy house can lead to cognitive overload. While we're trying to concentrate on one thing, clutter can distract. According to research, women may be more affected by this type of anxiety. Societal roles and expectations can enhance the stress. To be fair, other underlying mental health disorders can lead to more clutter, depression, hoarding, and OCD, just to name a few. However, clutter can sometimes lead to more creativity. Bottom line, don't let a messy house define you as a good or bad person. Take baby steps to negotiate with those responsible for messes to make change or hire a cleaning person. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on clutter at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. Can you imagine receiving a phone call from your child's roommate while they are away at college telling you that your son or daughter had an accident and has been admitted to the emergency room? but they don't know anything more. In a panic, you call around the hospitals asking about your child. However, instead of being helped, you are told they cannot share information with you because of HIPAA privacy. You are terrified, worried sick for your child. How do you prevent this situation from happening to you? A healthcare durable power of attorney. This legal document will appoint you as their healthcare agent, granting you the rights to all information in an emergency and to make medical decisions on their behalf. As soon as you are able to, you need your child to sign these documents in order to prevent the nightmarish situation we've just discussed. They must be signed, stored, and easy to access so that you can have them at your fingertips the moment disaster strikes. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of the doctor is in. We have no best of. But this is truly one of our least worst. I have now, this is a place, I've talked to my financial advisor. I have enough money right now to last me the rest of my life. Unless... I want to buy something that could stretch me. Helen has a little four-year-old granddaughter. Says she's wonderful. Why, grandparents have to say that. It's a law. You got to say my grandkid's the most wonderful kid in the Western Hemisphere. But she's scared. She's scared of flying insects. She panics. Hi, Helen. Hi. Well, when you say her parents are doing what they can, what are they doing? Well, uh, when it first started happening, her dad was very laid back, and he said, oh, that just fly, that fly just wanted to say hi, and just encouraged her to just ignore it. You know, he was he was really cool about it, and I think my daughter, too, but it has not extinguished any behavior. And then at one point, I said, maybe you could give her a spray bottle full of water and tell her if that's bothering you, just spray it away. That did not work at all. No? So Why would she she didn't want the bottle? There's nothing better for her kids than to go outside and play. And it's it's a problem right now. She didn't want the bottle? 
No, she didn't want the bottle. No, mm-hmm. my daughter said that did not work at all. I mean, as soon as there was a bug, she, you know, flung the bottle away and covered her face with her hands and started uh, fussing. So how f- how really, fussy did she, she fuss? She really seems to be terrified, and we're not sure how this started or why it's happening. Well, well, because well fussing is, is different than terrified. How fussing did she fuss? I Well, my daughter has uh, described a meltdown. So, and, and she was over here the other day, we were doing some fun things outside and she wanted no part of it. She, so what'd she do, sit in the house? Was on the swing for a few seconds and then wanted to get in the car and go home. Well, then what did you do? Well, they were on their way home to begin with, so they did get in the car and go home. Oh, but, see, I would have stayed you know, outside. They, they are not giving into this behavior as I far as I sta- can see, but okay, here's, it's, here's it's part really of it. cramping their style. Well, I think part of it is, I can't say, I don't know all the dynamics and all this. I'll speak generically. Little kids develop quirk phobias. Yes. Something something freaks them out, you know, some big bug yep. landed on her arm and she freaked out. Now all of a sudden it's just anything that remotely looks like a bug is going to freak her out. That's and it. In, in adults, when they have circumscribed phobias, if you want to call it that, if they, if they have exposure to the phobia and especially exposure with somebody beside them, that's the best way to handle it. Sure. Most, most adults won't do that. They don't like the phobia, so they're just going to avoid it. Yep. A little kid has parents. So what I would do is, first of all, I would make outside look like the most wonderful thing in the world. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to have ice cream. And okay. if she has brothers or sisters, they're going to get ice cream. She does. And, okay. And they're going to get hers because she's not coming out. <laughs> okay. And furthermore, she's not going to be able to roam the house. She's going to have to just sit in the chair and watch us outside uh-huh. having a good time. And we'll just tell her, hey, you don't have to come out if you don't want to. It's okay. okay. But I'll tell you what, we're going to do all kinds of neat stuff. And I would look for ways to be out there. And if she's, she's standing by the sliding glass door and her uh-huh. parents say i'll tell you what if you want to come out i'll take you by the hand and you come out and you sit next to me and if there's right. any bugs we'll just we'll just shush them away that should work it really should i think what happens in uh-huh. cases like this helen is the parents bounce around well we tried this it didn't work we tried that it didn't work we tried this it didn't work we did this it didn't work we tried that it didn't work and what happens okay. is they're frustrated because the kid has gotten herself on a roll She's just convinced in her little four-year-old mind, this is dangerous, this is dangerous, this is awful, this is terrible. Well, this past weekend, someone else, not her parents, threatened her with a bug. Oh, that's cold. Which was not helpful. No, that's cold. That was, yeah. that was very uncool. And her dad said, we do not parent with fear tactics. Don't ever do that again. So. Well, I would disagree with her dad. Because, first of all, he does parent with fear tactics. It's just how you define fear. Yeah, yeah. Well, in other words, I don't if she would have threatened her by letting a bug in the house. No, but, uh, but, but that, no. He, he said we don't, we don't parent by that fear tactic. But he yeah, parents by yeah. fear tactics. I mean, if, if, she, if, she doesn't, if she disobeys, he's going to stand her in the corner. Well, that's in sure. a way you can call that a fear tactic because I'm going to make you stand in the corner. <laughs> I suppose so. Sure. Okay, so given that. They need to make outside look wonderful, 
and they mean to make her not roam the house and occupy herself. No, no, no. She's got to sit there and just watch them having fun. And furthermore, they can say, oh, you want to come out with us, honey? Come on. Come on out. We'll we'll, we'll sit together. Uh You can sit right by me kind of thing. Right. And then if she freaks out, you can say, okay, go back inside because we're going to have more ice cream. I think it'll work. And if, okay. call me because, for two reasons. One, I don't want to see how it works. But two, I want to gloat. I want you to oh, call okay. and say, oh, Dr. Ray, that was just brilliant. Just brilliant. And then I'm going <laughs> to you know, let you go. I'll write the script for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Helen, let me know. All right. Thank All right, you. Dude. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Um, boy, there's so many. I'm going to do real quick with Lee here. She says... Promoting transgenderism, how do you get the idea that doctors are able to change a person's DNA? There are approximately 37 trillion cells in the average human body, give or take a few trillion. Uh, And all of them are either XS chromosome or XY chromosome, except in very, very rare genetic problems. Lee, the answer to your question is they don't. They don't say we can change DNA. What they say is the person can change their identity, how they see themselves, despite the fact that every cell in their body is XX or XY. That's what they say, Lee. Well, I I have spoken with quite a few transgendered females, and definitely under the they're under the impression that somehow their DNA magically changes to female. And I I'm just wondering who is telling them this. Well, the scientific community needs to be a little more clear about that, don't they? I Absolutely. suspect I suspect Lee, who's telling them is a lot of social media is telling them. Yes. Okay. That, well, know, the, I, like it or not. Ray Garendi is XY. Now, in my mind, I can say, well, I don't want to be XY. In my mind, I can say I would rather live as what I see as a woman. But I've always been confused because I would say, well, I just don't, I just don't feel like a guy. I feel like a woman. And I want to say to myself, what, what does that mean? What does, what does feeling like a woman mean? I don't, I don't even know how to define that. So that's part of the confusion. So, the only place that you could say that uh, perhaps they think they're female is a thought in their mind because they have a male brain. It is a thought. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. It is. We're moving towards what's the old heresy in, in Christianity used to be called dualism, which is my mind is me and my body is just a machine that uh, my mind can control. So if my mind tells my body, you're not this, then my mind rules. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if my body says, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is reality. This is the DNA. My mind says, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. So that's, uh, right. that's yeah. You're, so you're this, seeing... this doesn't really work out very well for true females, such as in sports, because their internal body is still male. Well, yeah, of course. That's one of the problems you run into. I mean, uh, you can't change DNA. So as a result, much of what is still male DNA, male structure, even though I say I'm a female, I still have a lot of male stuff in me, including musculature, 
including speed, including size. So I have all that. And that's right. I think it's it's incredibly unfair to females who essentially, and I, I think more and more of them are starting to say, wait a minute, just wait a minute here. But I'm kind of surprised that it's still only a small percentage. And to me, that indicates they're afraid to speak up. They're yes, afraid to I, say, I that too. yeah, they're just very afraid. I think most people would recognize that's a problem that we've got to solve, but they, yeah. but they won't. Lee, thank you, honey. I got to run. I'm way past break. This is Dr. Ray. But I'm a doctor, and it's my tradition to care for the sick and injured. Dr. Ray has more great advice coming up. Don't go anywhere. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Parents in a town just 45 minutes outside of Dublin have banned together to enforce a smartphone ban for their children in elementary school. It was just the striking results of the rising anxiety, depression, and everything we noticed of having a mobile phone, especially among young children. And according to this article, the results have been extremely positive in terms of less anxiety among the children, closer bonds being formed with the families, more time spent together outside with kids playing and actually reading. I mean, this is such common sense. All too often, I think it's it's hard for parents and grandparents to resist, right? Well, mom and dad, everybody has one. It's really incredible, this simple effort of parents coming together and saying, you know what, we need to do something. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. I run things at my house. That's right. Vacuum cleaner. Garbage disposal. Stove. Microwave. Okay. Reiterate. Those of you on the line here at the end, you've been incredibly patient the whole program. So you will be first up. You at least earn something with your comp time. First up all the way out to Armageddon. And I can't spell it but it's not the end of the world. Tammy from Virginia had her parental rights terminated. At the time, her son was... Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. Her son was adopted at nine. Her mother got custody of him at 14. Hi, Tammy. Okay, let me explain. Um, I have a mental health condition, 
And during the time that I had my son, I was 42. So I had a pretty extensive history on paper of my mental health. Uh, from the time I had my son, anytime someone would come up against me, because someone says, you're highly intelligent, you're a force to be reckoned with, and that's why you get pushback. Well, I was that way with my child. And my parents basically wanted to adopt him to begin with and told me I could visit, and that was not an option in my book. I moved to... Tammy, I'm going to have to hurry you along because you only got two minutes. Okay, he's 16. He ended up with a guardian because I was placing him there temporarily. And the guardian turned around, alleged abuse and neglect. My rights were terminated. He was then dumped on CPS by the guardian. She chose not to adopt him. My mother did adopt him. He's now 16, and he says he just wants to forget it all. And it was my fault for me allowing the crazy guardian to have guardianship of him, which, yes, I take responsibility. So he is angry at you because he thinks you abandoned him to these people. Well, the guardianship, I was supposed to have rights to see him, babysit him. But once she got the guardianship and took me up to court and terminated my parental rights, you know, it was game over. So you have no parental rights at all? Zero? No, sir. No, sir. And they basically used my mental health and a parental forensic test that took seven hours to take. to What was your diagnosis, Tammy? What was your diagnosis? I was diagnosed manic depressive and ADHD. Two things. Where is your son now? He's with his grandmother. He's been with her since he was uh, just before his 15th birthday. He came up to see me. Does she not want him to see you? She and her, me and her have never had a good relationship. She's basically treated me indifferent most of my life. She she doesn't care at all whether your son sees you or not. Her attitude is it's his decision and I'm not going to nudge him either way. You mean let him make the decision? Right. And just, and then pray that he... Well, no, she, your, your mother is saying... I'm not going to tell no, him what is, to do. He told me. He told me himself. I want nothing to do with you. Right, you and your mother, me. your mother is saying I'm not going to try to influence him either way. Yes. Okay. If you have no rights, zero. There's two things, Tammy. One, you can be patient till he's 18, and send him little communication pieces, however you can, or you can go back to court if you have the resources, and try to get your case re-adjudicated so that you'll get supervised visitation, that you'll be able to stop in and see him. Or, in fact, Grandma and him can meet you somewhere in a restaurant. Right now, with zero, it's totally up to him. He'll just simply say, I don't, I don't have to see my mom. She has, she has no parental rights at all. When he was telling me this, I could just hear the hurt in him. The hurt. Well, you com- you communicate with him and say, I, I'm still anxious and waiting to, to have contact with you again, son. Uh, the past is the past, and your mom is willing to move ahead to put her life together. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Andrew Kruchek, everybody, Eric Dumont, those of you listening, walk with God, please. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'll see you tomorrow.